Good morning. Am I on? Well, I want to invite you to take your Bibles, open them up to um, Luke chapter 2. Isn't it a blessing to get together with God's people and just sing praises to the Lord? I pretty much have to cry every Sunday. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. If you're unfamiliar uh, with Scripture, you can find that on page 857 in the black Bible that should be in the pew in front of you. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in his mother's womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And they brought him to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thought from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband for seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him 
to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Let's pray together. Father, we come before your presence this morning. All of us, busy with many things, many things going on in life and many struggles and trials for many people in this room. We pray that you would quiet our hearts, that you would focus our minds on your word, that we could hear from you. Lord, as your church, we pray for men and women who may be sitting in this room this morning who have never seen the glory of Christ. We pray that those hearts would see his glory in this text this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're coming to uh, Luke chapter 2 this morning, and Luke brings us witnesses to this baby named Jesus. And if you're familiar with kind of the courtroom scene, you know that many times in a courtroom, you can have people come to the court that are there specifically to bear witness to the character of people who are going to testify in court. In other words, what happens is they try to establish the trustworthiness, the reliability, um, the truthfulness of someone who's going to give testimony. And the testimony is only as good, is only as believed, as trustworthy as this person is. The witness must demonstrate that they can be believed. And Luke brings us the testimony of four people in this text. And, and what I want us to do is, is to, to really seek to slow our hearts down, slow our minds down, and listen to what these righteous followers of God say about the person of Jesus Christ. And we're going to start with, with Mary and Joseph. And what I want you to see with Mary and Joseph is that Mary and Joseph are righteous followers of God. If you look at the text, it says, verse 21, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Mary 
was a young woman, as we've studied in the previous text, was a young woman who was a virgin, and she was approached by the angel of God and told that you will be with child. A young girl who really didn't understand everything that was going on, and I want you to see her heart in chapter 1, verse 39, where Mary says to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Joseph was a righteous man as well. Finding out that Mary was with child, and we, we read this in the scriptures, that he being a just man, Matthew chapter 1, and unwilling to put Mary to shame was going to divorce her quietly. And yet God comes to Joseph and reveals to him what has happened to Mary and tells Joseph to not be afraid to marry this woman and to raise this child. And that is exactly what Joseph does. He obeys the Lord. He marries Mary. He does not know her until after Jesus is born. And it, it, it's hard for us to imagine how difficult it would have been for him in that circumstance to trust and honor God. But look in this text. Verse 22, it says, When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they went to the temple. They're carefully obeying the Old Testament law. Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 through 14, tells them to circumcise their babies at eight days. Leviticus chapter 12, 3 does that as well. In verse 22, when they come to the purification, they're obeying Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, where women who have children are unclean, who have male children are unclean for seven days. They bring the child to be circumcised on day 8, and then they're unclean for another 33 days. And on day 41, when the time of purification is complete, they can come and make their offering in the temple. And that's exactly what they're doing. Verse 22b says that they come to present him to the Lord, obeying Exodus 13.2 and Numbers chapter 18, where they are commanded, the Jewish people are commanded to present and offer their firstborn son to God. And they do that. They go to the temple. They pay their five shekels to redeem him from the Lord. Verse 24 says they go to the temple to offer a sacrifice according to the law of the Lord. In Leviticus 12, 6, this is supposed to be a lamb for the burnt offering and a bird for the sin offering, but because Joseph and Mary are so poor, they are unable to do that. And so they offer two birds. If you look at verse 27, the parents brought the child, Jesus, to do to him according to the custom of the law. And in verse 30, when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee. Here's the point that Luke's making about these two individuals. They are God-honoring, God-fearing, righteous, faithful, people. 
And here's their testimony. And I don't want to read too much into this, but this is their testimony. They name their baby Jesus. The question is, why did they name their baby Jesus? Well, first of all, we know in chapter 1, verse 59, that that's what the angel commanded them to name their baby. Luke doesn't say exactly why the angel told them to name their baby Jesus, but Matthew does. Matthew says that she will bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph name this baby Jesus because they know that Jesus will save their people from their sins. Like if you look even in Luke chapter 2, when the angels come to the shepherds in verse 10, the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in verse 17, those shepherds come to Mary and Joseph. And when they had saw it, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. So the shepherds come to the manger. They see Jesus. They make known to Mary and Joseph what the angels told them. And Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. Brothers and sisters, here's what we need to see clearly. The name given to Jesus demonstrates one thing. We are sinners. We have to see clearly that we are covered with guilt from sin. This gets to the heart of, of our problem. And what I want us to see this morning, and, and we're going to look at three different things, but what I want us to, to take time to evaluate and to consider in our own hearts is our condition before God apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. The reality is, is that every single human being who is born in Adam is born guilty. And it's not, just, it's not just that we feel guilty in our conscience. It's not just that we have an emotional sense of guilt. It is the reality that we are actually objectively guilty before God. And the person who recognizes this is someone who is able and ready to see Jesus for who 
He really is. Next, I want to look at Simeon. They bring Jesus to the temple. You can imagine the scene. The, the temple is, is buzzing with people. They bring Jesus to the temple, and Simeon is there. And the scripture tells us that there was a man there whose name was, was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So the scripture tells us about Simeon, that he is righteous and that he is devout, meaning that he is careful to obey the Lord in everything that he does. And Luke describes him, describes his righteousness and his devoutness this way. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? What does it mean that this man is waiting for the consolation of Israel? It means that that Simeon is waiting for the comforter. Simeon is waiting for the one who will comfort those who are in misery. Simeon was aware of the sin. Simeon was one who, by the power of the Spirit, was able to see the world as it really is. He, it, it wasn't, and it wasn't just the, the world out there as it really is. It was the world in here as it really is. When they brought Jesus into the temple, Simeon was standing there, and, and he's looking around, and he sees the spiritual leadership in the temple the priest, the Levite, who cared nothing about the glory of God. He sees the subjugation of Israel to Rome. He, he sees this, this uh, people of God that haven't heard from the Lord in 400 years. He looks at the temple and sees an apostate Israel. He's looking at the same temple that Jesus would look at 30 years later where they turned the temple, where the house of prayer into a den of robbers. It was an apostate nation. They did not love God. They did not serve God. They served themselves. And they used God as a genie in a bottle. They were lovers of money. They were lovers of pleasure. We know this because they were neglecting the poor. They were neglecting the orphan. They were allowing injustice to happen within the people of God. The leaders, the spiritual leaders of Israel who were supposed to be leading and serving and loving their people weren't leading and serving and loving their people. They were abusing their people and using their people to serve themselves. Jesus confronted the attitude of Israel in his ministry. Talking to the spiritual leaders, he says this. He says, How can you, you spiritual leaders, believe in me when you seek glory from one another and do not seek 
the glory that come from God. Listen, Simeon had a realistic view of his world. He saw things as they really were. And as a result, he's waiting. He's waiting for the comforter. And like I said, it wasn't just the sin out there. Simeon was aware of the sin in here too. You know, recognition of sin in the heart and in the mind is a distinct trait of the people of God. Friends, if you're sitting in here this morning and you're not a Christian, you need to understand something. Christians are not people who think that they're perfect. In fact, Christians are people who know without a shadow of a doubt that they are not perfect. That we are wrestling with sin day in and day out. Wrestling with selfishness. Wrestling with the flesh. Wrestling with fear of man and love of money and love of pleasure every day of life. That's why Paul describes the Christian life as war. Because the Christian life is war. Simeon knew himself. And he knew his only hope was a Savior. He knew that his heart, that he couldn't change his heart. He knew Jeremiah. He knew the prophecies of Jeremiah. He knew when Jeremiah said, can can a leopard change his spot or the Ethiopian his skin? Neither can you, a sinner, do righteousness. He knew Jeremiah 17 where, where Jeremiah says that sin is etched on the human heart engraved in stone. Listen, Simeon could see things clearly. And because he could see things clearly, he was waiting for the comforter from God. And friends, we got to see things clearly too. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where fathers leave their children every day. We live in a world where mothers kill their own babies at the tune of 82,000 babies a month last year in this country. We live in a world where 700,000 marriages ended in divorce last year. We live in a world where children rebel against their parents. We live in a world where 112,000 people died of drug overdoses just last year. We live in a world that is ravaged by disease and starvation and famine. 
Just this year in the United States, 610,000 people died from cancer. We live in a broken world. Not only that, not only all that stuff going on out there, we have ourselves to contend with. How many of you know the feeling of feeling your body wasting away? Not only is our flesh wasting away, but sin dies hard. Our daily battle to crucify the flesh. Have you felt that? Our fight to, to trust in God. To hope in Him alone. I don't know about you, there are days, and I, I was talking to a couple friends about this the other day, there are days in my life where in one moment I can throw myself at the mercy of God and trust in Him completely and say, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, do it. However you want to do it with my life, do it. That's fine. And within 30 seconds of that moment, how many of you all know that feeling? Doubt, fear, grumbling, complaining, Anxiousness, worry. You know, it doesn't matter, brothers and sisters, we can't let necessarily current circumstances measure the brokenness of the world. You know, it doesn't matter how much money is in the, account, in the account. It doesn't matter how nice our house is. It doesn't matter how many exciting and fun things we get to do. It doesn't matter how much time we get to spend, spend entertaining ourselves and, and doing things that we love and enjoy. Those things don't matter. The world is still full of suffering. And our hearts are still full of sin. And the reality is, is that most of the time, our entertainment and the things that we do for, for pleasure distract us, keep us from seeing clearly the condition of the world as it really is. It's a distraction.
And even when things might be going for a, a moment pretty well for us, just look around. The world is still full of suffering and if we are living in a moment of peace and a moment of, of significant blessing and a, and a moment where, where things are just going great, that's wonderful. But our hearts still have to, to recognize the brokenness that's going on. And if we're not recognizing the brokenness that's going on, then guess what? That's just a sign of our brokenness. Isn't it? People who see clearly the brokenness of the world and people who see clearly our own brokenness recognize that the only hope is Jesus Christ. That's it. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple, the text tells us that Simeon, the Holy Spirit, had brought Simeon to the temple and that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not see death before he saw the Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a dangerous thing for me. <laughs> right? It's like, okay, I know that I cannot die until I have seen the Christ. Wow. I think I would probably jump out of a couple airplanes. <laughs> right? You know, just that, that must have been a unique thing for him. But he's told that he would not die until he sees the Christ. And there he is in the temple. And the parents bring him into the temple. The parents brought this child into the temple to do for him according to the custom of the law. And Simeon sees this child. And here's the thing. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Simeon sees who Jesus really is. This 41-day-old baby. By the grace of God, he sees this child and he knows this is the consolation of Israel. It's him. It's not the circumstances out there. It's not the circumstances in here. It's him. He's the consolation of Israel. My eyes have seen your salvation. And this salvation was a person. Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus is a light to the Gentiles and the glory for Israel. How would Jesus comfort them?
How is Jesus the comforter? Jesus came into this world and lived a perfect life and lived a righteous life that none of us could live and then died a sinner's death. That this comfort from Jesus Christ comes through the cross of Jesus Christ where he pays the debt for our sin and releases us from the penalty of sin, releases us from the power of sin, and one day he will come back and finish his job of comforting his people, and he will release us from the presence of sin. The Spirit revealed to Simeon who Jesus was. And if you're sitting out there today and you have not recognized, you have not come to a place in your own life where you have come to see Jesus for who He really is, the Holy Spirit must show to you who Jesus really is. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless a man be born again, unless the Spirit of God regenerates that human being, and changes his heart and gives him a new mind and gives him eyes that can see and ears that can hear, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And listen to what Simeon says about this baby. Verse 34. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. This little month-old baby is where human beings will rise and fall. This little baby is either the rock of salvation or a stumbling stone. This little baby will either be the rock that becomes your refuge or this little baby will crush you under the weight of his glory. And men and women will rise or they will fall. There is no middle. We can either recognize our brokenness, we can recognize our guilt before God, we can recognize our sin, we can recognize our need for a comforter, we can recognize our need for a Savior and set our eyes upon Christ and find salvation, or we can keep looking down here. We can keep looking in ourselves and what will happen is the rock of salvation will crush us. And Simeon says, look, look at the text. That this baby is a sign that is opposed. He speaks of the suffering of Jesus. And then in a parenthetical statement, looks at Mary and says, a sword will pierce you through. A sword will pierce through your own heart also. It almost takes you to the scene where Mary is at the foot of the cross watching her son be crucified. Can you imagine that as a mother? 
that this little baby will be opposed and he will suffer. And as he suffers, Mary, you're going to suffer. And this baby, this baby, look at the end of verse uh, 35, this baby will reveal the thoughts of many hearts. Friends, Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the omnipotent, omniscient Son of God. He knows every thought in our head. And He knows every motivation in our heart. The Scripture says that every man, every woman, every child will be laid bare before Him. Friends, there's no pill, there's no pill that we can deal, that we can take to deal with our sin. There's no pill that can do it. There's no self-help seminar that can take away our guilt. There is no diet that can heal our bodies. There is no TV show, Netflix binge, Instagram post, or doom scroll that can assuage our guilty conscience. There is no full body cleanse that can cleanse the heart. There is only one place that people in our condition can go. And it's to a baby in Jerusalem. Next is Anna. Verse 36, there was a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then she was a widow until she was 84. And she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Luke brings us to a little 84-year-old woman. who never leaves the temple. A righteous woman. Another woman who sees things as they really are. And look at what the text says. Coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna was another waiter. She was seeing things as they really were. She was looking at her people. She was looking at herself. And what did she see? 
slave. She saw slaves. She saw men who were slaves of the flesh. She saw men who were slaves to pleasure, men who were slaves to money, men who were slaves to their pursuits, men who were slaves to the fear of man. She saw herself as a slave, and what was she doing? She was waiting for the Redeemer. You see that? She was waiting for the Redeemer. Jesus saw this in his life. He approaches the religious leaders in John chapter 8 and confronts their slavery and, the, and the, the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, the people who really thought they had it all together, said, you don't know what you're talking about. We have never been in slavery while they're in subjugation to Rome. But Jesus looked to them and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And this little 84-year-old woman saw that little baby and began to go around Jerusalem and began to proclaim the Redeemer to all of the righteous remnant in Jerusalem who was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, as I was thinking through this text, the thing that kept coming to mind was this. Where was the rest of Israel? Jesus, the Son of God, the, the promised Messiah, has come. And two people in the temple recognize who he is. What, what is everyone else doing? Well, one thing they were not doing is they were not waiting for God to fulfill his promises. They hadn't heard from God in 400 years. And most of Israel had forgot the promises of God. And they were going on about their business, doing what they do, how they do it, when they do it, however they want to do it, for any reason they want to do it. And the promises of God were somewhere far away from the center of their heart. You know, Jesus has come. The promised one did come. 
And the promised one did begin the work of salvation. The promised one did begin the work of comforting his people. And the promised one did begin the work of redeeming his people. But brothers and sisters, that work is not yet done. We're still waiting for the completed salvation. We're still waiting for the perfect comfort. We're still waiting for the full redemption that has been promised to God's people. And when does that happen? It happens when the Messiah comes again. And guess what? The righteous remnant of God, those who love the Lord, those who are seeking to serve Him, those who are seeking to honor Him and glorify Him with their life, that righteous remnant is doing exactly what the righteous remnant was doing in the first century. They're waiting for the constellation of Israel. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We are waiting for Jesus to come back and finish what he started. Because when Jesus comes back, sin will be eradicated. When Jesus comes back, the misery of sin will be eradicated. The consequences of sin will be eradicated. And the presence of sin will be eradicated. And brothers and sisters, hear what I'm saying to you. And I preach this to my own heart. If we are clinging to the things of this earth, we have forgotten the promises of God. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence. needing to meditate on your glory. Help us by your Spirit to, to set our minds into the heavens. Give us eyes to see, Lord, the brokenness of our world the brokenness of our neighbors and our friends and our family and give us grace to offer them the hope that they can find in Jesus Christ.
We pray, God, by your spirit and by your power that this church would be full of people. Men and women whose hopes are in heaven. That we would be people who are waiting for Jesus to come again. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.